Hello and welcome to The Future of Tax, the KPMG podcast series for tax leaders. Today we're discussing the role of the tax function towards a circular economy and whether it's possible for tax policies to enforce circular economies. There's a lot to unpack for this topic, so this will be a two-part podcast. On today's episode, we'll be focusing on the basics of circular economies and regulatory trends. We're joined by Arnold Walricht, Global Circular Economy Lead and Sustainability Partner at KPMG in the Netherlands. Moraine Betjes, ESG Tax Lead also at KPMG in the Netherlands. And Nicole de Gakka, Senior Manager, Global ESG Tax, KPMG International. The circular economy plays a vital, multifaceted role in achieving net zero ambitions and sustainability targets. Whilst ensuring that we are acting responsibly in our use of resources and generally protecting our environment. On today's podcast, we're going to explore the role of the tax function in the circular economy and whether the design and practice of tax approaches could help to accelerate the global adoption of a circular economy, as well as delve into whether resultant changes to supply chains, product design, and sustainability are forcing companies to reimagine their businesses. Thank you all for joining us on the podcast today. Great to be here. Looking forward to to the discussion. Glad to be joining today. Arnaud, to provide context for our listeners, what does it mean when we talk about a circular economy? What is a circular economy taxation framework? Well, specifically the first part of your question, I can answer uh, very well. Um, Typically, a circular economy is based on three principles that are in the end, driven by design. So first of all, eliminate waste and pollution. Secondly, circulate products and materials at their highest economic value and also highest environmental value. And thirdly, regenerate nature through production and consumption that fits in that circular economy space. When we talk about design in relation to the circular economy, it's always that materials re-enter the economy at their end of use and that you design for circularity. So that means, for example, that your phone is designed in such a way that you can also take it apart and repair parts instead of the need to waste uh, the full set of components, which otherwise would have gone uh, wasted. Circular economy strategies, they, of course, help to uh, lower our waste footprint and change the way we consume and produce, but they also help to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, for example, through uh, reuse or extending the life cycle of products. And globally, the figure is quite quite large, around 45% of total carbon that we um, produce on an, uh, on an annual basis can be reduced through circular economy models. So... It's, it's quite an important strategy to, uh, to look at. When it comes to the taxation part, this is, of course, where we have Marijn and Nicole in the room. But in, in general terms, fiscal and also other f- taxation-based incentives and also more and more regulation from a, uh, I would say, more stringent point of view is entering the market to repair gaps and or to fulfill specific tax regulations and uh, objectives. So more to come on that. Thank you, Arnaud. We see quite a lot of corporates pursuing circular economy, but it appears on a global basis, corporates are running faster than governments. Nicole, why do you think that large-scale acceleration of circular economies is lagging? What do you think are the bottlenecks? I think that one of the biggest challenges is the complexity that governments face when designing appropriate policies and the scaling of these policies. Rather than having to focus solely on the impact of, for instance, the change in a business model and viability of such change for the business, policy changes or the implementation of new legislation must consider the social, economic and fiscal impact of an entire country. 
So just to give you a few examples, concrete examples of what I mean by this, changes to legislation must ensure that there isn't such an increase in manufacturing costs that it results in it being more expensive to repair an object rather than replace it, which would ultimately end up defeating the purpose of the legislation. If there are increased taxes rather than, for instance, outright bans that are implemented, legislators need to ensure that there isn't such a disproportionate social burden on consumers as a result of these increased taxes. There could also be existing incentives or subsidies that may undermine circular economy policies, such as fossil fuel subsidies or significant subsidies for primary mineral extraction, which may mean that these existing mechanisms have to be removed as barriers to transition to a more circular economy. So if we couple all of these considerations that legislators must take into account when designing policies with awareness, where many people might not be familiar with the circular economy concept or its benefits, it's not surprising that corporates are running faster than governments. I do think the fact that corporates are moving at a faster pace really sets a good base for the large-scale acceleration of circular economy policy implementation. And I think it's fantastic to see that companies move so quickly that the ones who are at the forefront of shifting to a circular economy are proving that this can be done in the right way. Thank you, Nicole. Arnold, coming back to you, for more than 20 years, you've had extensive experience in sustainability and environmental legislation. What has the evolution of the circular economy regulatory landscape over the last couple of decades looked like? And what are some of the trends that we're currently seeing? Well, this is not so easy to answer. Uh, simple question, but... Let me start with the observation that I've witnessed over the over the years. The general trend is to shift away from waste only, end of pipe as we sometimes call it. So at the end of the life cycle of a product or a, or a packaging, there we saw the focus more in the past. We see now a shift to the whole value chain. So be it policies at the national level or EU framework directives, we see more value chain directed policy measures and also specific attention for materials that we use in our economies that are not in line with circular economy principles. The big upward trend in the EU regulatory space uh, that we saw from the halfway to the 2000s last uh, decennium with the circular economy action plan entering the, the scene. And this was a comprehensive body of legislation and also non-legislative actions that aim to really transition the European economy from a linear to a circular model. That's that's how the policymakers strategize it. It was quite comprehensive. The action plan mapped out more than 50 actions, uh, as well as four legislative proposals on waste and resources, resource management on both operational and product level. And these proposals, these legislative proposals were put forward by the Commission, the European Commission, along with the action plan and included targets for landfill and the reduce of landfilling, reuse models, uh, and also recycling to go up for 2030 and 2035 target setting. And it also uh, treats specific economic activities, for example, producer responsibilities and separate collection on textiles, uh, but also bio-waste. When it comes to the policy areas, it was uh, several uh, of them, and, and also a lot of sectors are covered through these measures. When it comes to plastics, that deserves a bit of extra attention. There was announced a specific sectoral strategy for plastics. We haven't seen that before uh, in, in Europe or anywhere else in the world. And more than uh, 10 billion of public funding is allocated to the transition between 2016 and 2020. Well, more recently, we also see regulatory pressure uh, towards secular products. 
with Echo Design Directive being updated and also a lot of impact going with that on product design for better recyclability. And also the more mandatory approach to uh, produce LCAs and footprinting of, uh, of impacts. Well, and then lastly, Europe is not alone in the world, but geopolitical uh, factors uh, play a role too in uh, circularity regulation. But for example, the Critical Raw Materials Act recently, in order to secure materials that are uh, low in volume, but very critical for, amongst others, the energy transition or mobility transition. Marijn, you advise companies on environmental tax issues, including those that are related to the circular economy. Is there anything you'd like to add in terms of circular economy regulatory trends that you're seeing? First of all, uh, tax laws eh, were written decades ago in a world of linear supply chains eh, where raw materials were extracted, converted into product and discarded as waste. And in a new sustainable resale model, every time the product is resold, in principle, tax is collected eh, based on the current law. Uh, to stimulate the circular economy, we have to avoid the accumulation of taxes on the same product. And of course, eh, governments are already making changes to their existing tax legislation in the end to create a better fit eh, with the new realities, but we have to speed up that process. And governments around the world are increasingly using tax eh, to drive sustainable behavior from organizations, often focusing at this moment on the E of ESG, environmental. And the last few years, eh, we see a global tax shift from tax on labor and profit to more tax on pollution. For example, here in the Netherlands, eh, the number of environmental taxes has tripled in three years in particular in relation to carbon. For example, new carbon taxes on industrial emissions and probably per next year, the greenhouse, um, a carbon tax for the greenhouse horticulture. Plus, of course, the European Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism, the CBAM. And in addition to carbon, we see a lot of movement in the field of plastic and packaging taxation. Now think about the plastic packaging tax in the UK with a focus on non-recycled material and the Spanish tax on non-reusable plastic packaging. Other countries like Italy and perhaps also the Netherlands will follow via taxation and via semi-tax measures like the extended producer responsibilities, as mentioned by Arnaud, the EPRs. At the moment, I would say that a trend is that we are on a global environmental tax wave. And the footnote I want to make with regarding to this wave is that I want to encourage more than ever countries to collaborate and bring ESG taxation plans to a more supranational level. Otherwise, for example, an increasing number of environmental taxes and a phase out of tax exemptions could lead to companies being driven away. Uh, next to taxation, eh, the sticks, governments are also using tax credits, incentives and grants to promote investments in greener alternatives, the carrots. Eh, for example, via the European Union Green Deal, the EU Green Deal, and the US Inflation Reduction Act. Now, a successful transition to a circular economy can reduce your tax costs, the stakes, and including tax in this journey 
will put you in a better position to gain from grants and incentives along the way, the carrot. Now, and finally, next to environmental taxation and not specific a trend, the tax function is crucial from my perspective to the circular economy also in relation to other tax areas. For example, the first one is greening the economy, partly driven by the environmental tax developments mentioned before, may shorten your value chain and new value may derive from green intellectual property and renewable energies, including corresponding tax consequences. And the second one I want to mention is the supply chain transformation will lead to new transfer pricing models and restructuring in relation to corporate income tax. And as the physical and transactional footprint of the goods will change, so will your indirect tax and customs position. Now, the last one I want to mention is that to drive the circular economy, organizations will often change their approach to sourcing and procurement, ensuring their suppliers follow the same sustainability standards. And change of this sort is an opportunity to optimize the tax position. For instance, choices around where you source goods or materials and how you transport them will affect your customs and excise duty position. Now, with this in mind, it's really important to manage the tax consequences when creating a more circular economy. And tax leaders play a critical role in understanding how the evolving regulatory landscape affects the cost to the business. So my advice is keep the tax function close to operations. Thanks, Moraine. That's great. And that's all we have time for today. Join us again next time for part two, where we'll explore regulatory challenges, pros and cons of using tax and fiscal strategies to enforce a circular economy, and what steps businesses should be taking. Thanks for listening.